This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, my name is Daryl Ong and you're tuned in to Bar None, the show that brings you through the ins and outs of the sporting world. After a 42-year wait to qualify on merit for the Asian Cup, all eyes will be on Qatar this next couple of weeks as Harimau Malaya will be looking to turn heads in the battle for football supremacy in the region. The national squad are one of the underdogs of the Asian Cup, being the third lowest ranking nation just behind Hong Kong and Indonesia, while we also have a pretty tough group where Kim Pangon and Ko will go up against Jordan, Bahrain and two-time champions South Korea. South Korean himself, head coach Kim Pangon, had been at the centre of the rejuvenation of Malaysian football since taking over in 2022, with the national squad going 15 places up in the FIFA rankings to 130th in the world, being the most improved Asian country in the calendar year of 2023. Optimism is brewing for the Asian Cup and this week on the programme, we're joined by sports journalist T. Avinash as this week we preview the long-awaited return to the Asian Cup. I saw it coming because when the competition format was changed to 24 teams, I expected the team to qualify also in 2019. But, you know, luck deserted them and they missed out on a spot in that tournament. This time around, when the qualifiers started, I saw the group. I felt like, you know, we could beat Turkmenistan and Bangladesh. Mm. So it was possible. Mm. So if they did not qualify, that would be, that would have been a bummer. Mm. But the fact that they have qualified, to me, it wasn't a surprise. It was meant to happen. And even before Pangon took over the reins of the team, he had a plan. Mm. He knew what he wanted. He had set his goals. You know, and he told FAM that I will get this team to the Asian Cup. I believe in their potential. I've seen how they have played. And uh, the group was, to be honest with you, before the qualifiers started, one would have said that it's tough because Turkmenistan is higher than Malaysia. Yeah. But Turkmenistan didn't have the place that they won. Mm. So mm. advantage was honest. The Bangladesh is a side that works hard, but they do not have that finesse. Mm. So it was much more easier. Mm. Whereas the other game, you know, we actually gave a good fight. We showed, you know, great character and strength, just that, you know, we lost the match. But nevertheless, you know, uh, we got what we wanted, which is to get to the Asian Cup. And from then on, he built on that momentum. Yeah, And yeah. you can see how the team is doing right now. And got to the Asian Cup, we did. We did. Uh, the tournament starts this weekend. Mm. Uh, Qatar are the current holders <coughs> of the Cup. But just as a background, Avinash, I think many Malaysian fans, sure, we have Asian Cups in our periphery, mm. but not so much, you know, because Malaysia hasn't been involved in such a long time. Right. Well, 2007, right, when mm. we co-hosted it. But talk to us a little bit about how the Asian Cup has evolved over the years, you know, what role has it played in shaping the football landscape in Asia? I think Asian Cup is very important. You know, one good thing that I realised was the success of Qatar. When Qatar won the tournament, everybody were like, you know, how did this team win it? <laughs> you know, and I realised that each Asian nation, they have their expertise, they have their, you know, background that, you know, captivates us. So in Qatar's case, it was Aspire, mm. a five, ten year project that led to you know, the promised land, which is the Asian Cup. Mm. And then you can also see that nations like South Korea, Japan, you know, in these tournaments, players showcase themselves and they go to Europe. Mm. You know, you can see the now you can see the Japanese squad and the South Korean squad filled with European place players. Yep. And players are not just making up numbers. 
who are performing week in week out for their yeah, for cups. their clubs. Yeah, yeah. So in that sense, I think the Asian Cup is a good platform for players to showcase themselves. At the same time, also bring pride to their nations. Mm. You know, for a lot of Middle Eastern nations, this is a time of hope. For example, Palestine is playing in the tournament. Mm-hmm. You know, at a time where the war is happening. Yeah, yeah. So for people, that is a form of you know. Lull, lull in the sense that you know I'm away from the war. I'm going to watch my team play. Mm, mm. You know that kind of yeah. thing. So it kind of unites everyone. You know, people stop just to watch football. That's the beauty of the game. Yeah. You know, yeah. stop everything just to watch the game. So I think that's the significance of Asian Cup. And as formations, you know, we still remember what happened in 2007. It was heartbreaking, mm-hmm. cut trenching. Mm-hmm. But this time around, I wish there was more fanfare. But those who have been following the team for many years now. You can see the amount of you know excitement that they have. You know, some of them are sacrificing their works just to go to Qatar mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to watch the team play. Yep. So yeah, slowly that enthusiasm is coming, and mm. I think that's the beauty of the Asian Cup. It gets teams, you know, you know, slowly building up themselves. Yeah, I mean, yeah, lots of sub- subplots right exactly. uh, surrounding the tournament. Yep. But for the longest time, the heavyweights, right, um, the Asian heavyweights, mm. if you will, South Korea, Japan. But nowadays, it's not so much the case anymore, is it? Exactly, mm. because the Middle East teams, you know, in the past they couldn't win this tournament because their players were not based in Europe. But now, for example, take Jordan, for example, they have this player called Musa Al Tamiri. He plays in League One for. Montpellier, what a player, amazing mm. player, and mm. he's going to play against Malaysia. Yep. You know the fact that these teams are beginning to uh, see their place going abroad. You know, broadening their horizons, making sure that you know they bring back some know-how to their national team. Mm. No, that's beautiful. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and for I sure. hope Malaysia is able to do that one day as well. Mm. You know, we we had some players like Lukman Akbal who went in the past, but we want a player that legitimately goes to this country and says that look, Malaysian talents. Are not to be underestimated. Mm. You know, yeah, that kind of thing. I wish to see that happening one day. And you know what? Representing Malaysia uh, mm. in Qatar will be the first big step. You know, in, yes, in showcasing exactly. your talent to the world, right? Uh, but uh, last question on the Asian Cup's importance and uh, the prestige of the tournament. Uh, in your time covering it, were there any historic moments or you know standout moments in the history of the cup? Qatar winning the tournament. Okay. I thought there was something to. Ask upon in the sense that you know it was before the World Cup. Mm. Everybody were like, "Who is Qatar? Who is Qatar?" And they won the Asian Cup all yeah. of a sudden. And certainly, players like Almuez Ali, you know Hassan Al Hedos, Akram Afif, they were you know taking the plaudits for their performances. And Akram went to Villarreal. Mm. You know Almuez was targeted by teams in Europe. Hassan Al Hedos had a short stint in Spain, mm. which it was longer, but it didn't happen. You know that that sense of you know a smaller nation being able to win a tournament. Was there? I mean, yes, Qatar has the money, the resources, and everything, but it's still a small nation. Mm. So it gave hope to smaller nations to tell themselves, "Look, we can go to the Asian Cup. We can do something. We can do anything." Like even if you watch the Euros or World Cup, South Korea beating Germany, nobody expects that. Yeah, you know, yeah. the Asian Cup is able to produce those kind of results actually, and I hope it will happen in Qatar this mm. time around. And money aside, like you're mm. saying just now, you know, the Aspire Blueprint that yeah. they place. It, this is proof that it actually does work, work right, exactly. in, in the long term. Mm. Um, on the Malaysian side, uh, like we mentioned, like we alluded to, we hosted the Asian Cup in 2007. Well, co-hosted uh, the Asian Cup, um, but we were unfortunately the worst team at the tournament, losing three matches in the groups. In fact, Avinash, uh, in history, we've only won one match at the Asian Cup, exiting the group stage in all three tournaments that we took part in. That being said, though, 
this one, this edition feels a lot different for a lot of Harimau Malaya fans. Uh, the sense that the tide is turning, the growing optimism of uh, quote unquote a new era. Uh, do you agree with that sentiment? You know, and for you know people who haven't been following the national team, what has changed? What has changed? I would say it's the coaching structure. I think Kim Pangon. Let me share a story. So. When I first attended his press conference in 2022, mm-hmm. before he announced his first ever squad for the friendlies against the Philippines and Singapore, he released the squad list. When I looked at the squad, I was like, "These players, they don't even have regular minutes. Why did he pick the same setup that you know Cheng Ho picked in the previous tournament?" So I asked him this question, Coach. You know, we thought there would be changes to your squad. Mm. But you seem to have picked the players that were in the previous squad. What's the rationale behind it? Why did you select players who were, you know, performing well in the league at the time? And his answer was simple. You know, I do not want to talk about individual players. But me being a journalist, I still pressed. I said, why? Then mm. he said, look, I'm not forming an all-star squad. I'm forming a squad that I believe can do something for this country. That I believe will feed my tactical system. That I believe will, you know, repay the faith that I've shown towards them. That's his character. Mm. And I think since then he made himself the crux of that team in the sense that you know, I am the man. I make the decisions. If I fail, I take responsibility. If he succeed, you take that plaudit. I don't mind that at all. Mm. So Pangon is able to do that for the last two years, actually. And this kind of quality in a head coach wasn't mm. there before, you know, with Cheng Ho, with Ong Kim Sui. Uh, maybe I would say parent? I would say Cheng Ho had it actually. It's just that if Cheng Ho had the resources Pangon had right now, mm. I think things would have been different. That's my personal view. Mm. I don't know what FAM thinks about it, but right now I think FAM learned their lesson, and you know they told the coach, look, whatever that you need within the budgets that we have. We will give it to you, yeah. and they're doing that, which I think is good. Yeah, yeah, and you can see the national team, the unity within the team itself. It's a very nice dressing room. You know, the naturalists and mixed heritage players have actually galvanized the local players. Yes, for sure. I yeah. see it that way. Yeah, yeah. So in that sense, I think his coaching style has rubbed off pretty well on the national team, mm. and also his staff were pretty dedicated. Mm. You know, like Paul Mati, they call him the general. Because of his tactics and everything, mm. whereas Pangon is the guy who is, you know, who who man manages everything. He can be stern, he can be strict, he can say things that he wants. But off the field, I'm like your father, I'm like your brother, I'm like your uncle. Mm-hmm. You know, he has that fight. That so I think manager. the coaching change has, you know. Um, Impacted the team a lot, and people are beginning to talk about him more than the squad. Actually, if you realize that, yep, yep, yep. So yeah. I guess you know that's what we want at the end of the day. And when his contract got extended, many people were actually happy. So mm. yeah, I think it's that KPG deserves credit for whatever that's happening now. Yeah, I mean KPG definitely made um, watching the national team way more exciting. Exactly. Than, than before. And we are much more. We are tactically fluid now. Mm. You know, if you watch every game that we play, it's not the same style. Where, where Coach Cheng Ho prefers. To play the possession-based, modern-based kind of football, whereas Coach Kim Pangon is more like you know, if you're not playing well, I'm going to take you off. I'm going to bring someone else in. I'm going to reject the tactics. I'm going to make sure that we get a result out of this game. Mm. So he's that kind of a gaffer, mm. which I appreciate actually. For sure, yeah, for sure. Um, leading into the Asian Games, uh, looking at the tournament tournament overall, uh, Vinash, only two teams rank below Malaysia. Uh, Malaysia who sit in 138. Mm. Uh, you have Hong Kong in 147, and Indonesia 149. Um, 
scoping in even more to Group E, a group that contains Jordan, Bahrain, and of course, Titan, South Korea. We are definitely underdogs in this group, let's be honest. Um, but if anything, the absence of that, that so-called pressure will work in Malaysia's advantage, wouldn't it? Yes, exactly. And, um, you know, based on the interviews that we have heard from Qatar, a lot of the players say that, look, yeah, we are fa- facing higher-ranked nations, no doubts about it. We agree that we have to respect them. Mm. But the coach has told us to enjoy the process. Mm. You are in Qatar. You're playing the finest pitches in the world a superb weather just enjoy the game mm. so for a coach to actually say that to the players after a highly intensive training session players love that Yeah. so it will resonate into something beautiful on the pitch I hope mm. and uh, you know facing teams like Jordan, Bahrain and South Korea it's not going to be easy because these teams are ranked below 100 in the world South Korea ranked 23, 24, 23, 23 yeah. right now so and you'll be facing players that have played in Europe so for me, in ter- I think the coach is trying to say that, you know, even the players also are trying to tell themselves that, look, let's not get intimidated. Let's just play football. Let's see what these teams can do against us. And yeah, you're right. You know, there will be no pressure. You know, basically the coach will be telling his uh, charges, play football. Mm. Play mm. football. You know, show people what Malaysia is all about. Yeah. And uh, coach... Pagwan has always said that, you know, I want to produce this Malaysian DNA where we attack well and we defend for our lives. Mm. So I think that will be, show- I hope that will be showcased in Doha. That was sports journalist T. Avinash as this week we've been previewing the Asian Cup set to kick off in Doha this weekend. More of that conversation to come, so to stick around only here on Banan on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, my name is Daryl Ong and this is Bar None, the show that brings you through the ins and outs of the sporting world. This week on the show, we have been previewing the upcoming Asian Cup due to kick off January the 12th to February the 10th. And of course, after 42 years, Harimah Malaya has qualified on merit, marking our fourth participation in the regional tournament. On the program, we are joined by local football expert and journalist T. Avinash, as this week we've been previewing the tournament. And to continue the conversation, now we talk about the national call-ups decided by coach Kim Pangon. Nacho Insa surprised me. Yep, yep. Because he only played one or two games mm. and this whole year he was injured. Yep. But I guess coach Pangon sees something in him. I was quite upset that Hongwan wasn't selected because yeah. he had a smashing year with JDT. Noalin. Noalin, I think, I guess, because he's young. They want to groom him in the other 23 setup first. But yeah, Hongwan was the biggest miss, I, I would say. One Sabah player which I wish should have been part of the squad was Rizal Ghazali, actually. Because mm-hmm. he played well in the AFC Cup and he's 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 an attack-minded fullback. So if Malaysia needs a goal in the second half, he could be that super sub. Mm. You know, Rizal Ghazali and... But uh, yeah, Nacho Insa was a surprise, but I know he was picked because of his experience. And when he plays, he shows class. So I hope yeah, right now I, I was told that he's uh, going through uh, recovery. Okay. Yeah, recovery. And 
if he starts against Jordan, I believe he will be the man to watch. Okay. Uh, so against Jordan, he will be the man to watch. Mm-hmm. You know, because when he plays, he dictates the tempo. He does that for JDT week in week out, like two years ago and so on. Yeah. So I think the same would be expected when he plays mm. in that number six role. Number right? six role. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Natsu Insa, I mm. think another few surprises for me at least is Junior Xtal, mm. uh, who has been called up uh, a couple of times alongside Sumare, who has been called up mm. uh, in recent times. Uh, how do you think their inclusions? Is it the same case uh, with Natsu? You know, just more experience. You know, uh, lead, leading the dre- from the dressing room, if you will. You think these players will have that kind of role as well? In Elstal's case, I think he was brought because of his strength and height. Uh, when he when we played against, um, if I'm not mistaken, Taiwan, mm. he was amazing, mm. amazing. So in that sense, I felt like his selection was justified, and he's slowly getting minutes in Indonesia as well. So he's slowly showing the form that he used to be in in 2016, 2015s time, 15 time, yeah. uh, yes. So. In that sense, you know, I think his inclusion wasn't a surprise. Yeah. I expected him to be in the squad lab because Pangon really likes him. Mm. He's not just a character on the field, off the field as well. Mm. You know, he's able to speak Pasam Layu very well. He's able to speak English very well. So he's like the bridge. Yeah, yeah. Between you know the yeah. local place and, and the, the mixed heritage and natural place, naturalized yeah. place. Yeah. Sumare's case, yes, that's also a surprise. But I believe he was picked because you know Coach Pangon, when the team is behind, he wants to use space. So I believe he was picked as a super sub mm. together with Akia. Because when you put these two plays in, they will cause mayhem on the flanks. Mm. So I think that's why Sumari was picked. I mean, uh, I thought, you know, there were other players who deserved a spot like Saravanan, Zafri Aya from Kuala Lumpur. Yeah. You know, these players played well last season and the boys in Tangano as well and Kushakir, you know. But, uh, yeah, coach knows best. He knows what Sumari could give. Mm. I guess that's why he was picked. It's a game plan going yeah, ahead, for sure. Yeah. Um, the new boy, Rama Morales. Mm. Long time KL player. Mm. Recently naturalized and straight away on the plane to mm. Qatar. Right. For me, it wasn't a surprise because it was... It's mooted for a long time, right? This yeah, idea. it was mooted mm. for a long time. Even when he came to Malaysia, he, people realised that he was only 21 and they were like, you know, if he stays for five more years, he could be a Malaysian player. And every year, journalists would always ask this question, do you want to be a Malaysian? Do you want to be a Malaysian? Do you want to be a Malaysian? <laughs> but when my last conversation with him, I did ask him, you know, so national team, what are your thoughts? Nervous. <laughs> Nervous. Because it's a whole different setup. In club, he is a player that's pretty good with the ball. He looks languid on the field mm. but when he shoots or when he dribbles it looks devastating yeah. but with the national team nothing of that sort I want you to be running all the time so whether he can fit that system or not it is that to be seen but looking at the way he looks right now his shape and everything he looks fit yep. he looks strong mm. and uh, Pangon wants versatility in his attack so mm. Roman Mor- Morales provides that he can go he can play as a second striker he can also play as a winger he can also play as a striker so in that sense, you know, he's a quality addition to the squad. Then he's got understanding of Paulo Jose. Ah, yes, of course. So that chemistry would be used for sure, mm, I believe. Mm, and mm. Uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing him playing. You know, he's just 26. Yep. You know, he can play for a good 10 years for Malaysia if he keeps himself, you know, fit and all that. I mean, uh, Coach Nenad once told me that he's a player that's special. He can play in any leagues in the world. The problem is his attitude. His discipline. Mm. Discipline in the sense that how he carries himself on the pitch, you know, the training and everything. But I think right now he realizes that, you know, I've got this extra responsibility. It's time that I buck up and I'm in my prime. So yep, yep. based on uh, what I heard, you know, in training sessions, he has been 
pretty good, pretty fit, pretty strong, and was able to adapt to whatever demands the coach wanted. Mm, mm. So I think who knows, we will be seeing a newer version of Romel Morales, a much better version of Romel Morales. So yeah, I'm looking forward. Mm. You say 26 and, and in his peak, yep. um, but someone who's even younger and probably haven't even reached his peak yet mm. is of course Arif Ayman, 21 years old. He's set to be the linchpin mm. uh, for the Malaysian squad. Um, him aside though. I mean, do you foresee any other Malaysian talents uh, uh, making a significant impact uh, in Qatar? I think the younger ones would be him and Sikizan, mm. under 20, I mean, about 21, 22. One player that I actually look forward to, I mean, I can't call him a potential or anything, is Shami Kutiaba. Of course, yeah. Shami Kutiaba, whenever he plays, you know, you know his industry, you know his work rate, you know his guy. Quality, People yeah. always know him for his dirty work. Mm. But those who have watched him train, those who have watched him perform over there since he started his career in Penang, he is such a technically gifted player. Yep, yep. Both feet works very well. He's able to give long passes, short passes. But he knows in the national team, he has to do the dirty work. So I'll go for the tackles. I'll go for the interceptions. I'll go for the blocks. Mm, mm. You know, and uh, that's one talent that I feel deserves minutes every time. Mm, mm. But sadly, you know, he's got knee issues and so on but now he's fully recovered and he actually sacrificed his honeymoon just to play for the national team so he's eager to actually showcase his style and I think he wants to show that you know I remain one I, I still am one of the elite defensive midfielders in the country so that's one talent that I'm looking forward to Arif Ayman I mean wow what a player I don't know what else to say about the boy <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah for sure um, the tournament uh, the Asian Cup comes at the end of the um, Malaysian Super League which mm. ended um, mental fatigue you think might be a concern for the team or you know is the off-season schedule um, an advantage for us mental fatigue I don't think so because they actually went for their breaks before you know joining the national camp my worry right now is the season that's starting in May ah, okay. you know mm. and uh, you know yeah, they're in the setup but within the setup I'm sure they would be thinking about their futures you know whether will I have a club or not and so on I believe the players in the national team will not have to worry about that. But there will be some who would be worried. Players like Sikizan. Sikizan is one example because I do not know whether he's going to stay with Slango or he's going to go on loan. So that situation would arise actually and people will be talking about that. But I believe that the coaching setup would have told the players, look, you are here, just think of the national team, that's it. Mm. No club or whatsoever. You are here donning the colours of Malaysia, just think about Malaysia. Mm. So that's one worry that I was thinking of actually. Mental fatigue, I don't think yeah. so because they had their break and so on. My wor- I, But also there is this one thing that I worry about. The other teams, most of the players are coming from Europe mm. and some of the Asian leagues are still ongoing. Yep. So they have momentum. So yeah, that's yeah. also another worry. Yeah, the, fl- the flip side, yeah, of, the flip coin, side right? of the coin. Mm, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see. Mm. Um, speaking of the, the squad, and you know, we talked a lot about uh, Kim Pangon mm. and, and the impact he's had on the team. Uh, <coughs> in the lead up to the Asian Cup, he said he's working a lot on set pieces and defending. Uh, are there particular aspects of the game? Uh, do you agree that these are the two aspects that we should be improving on? Focus. 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 One one good example was the game against Kirk, Kirk's Republic. We got the lead and we just switched off. Mm-hmm. How we switched off, we don't know. <laughs> you know, and that's something that needs to be fixed, actually, the focus and concentration. And we are facing higher-ranked teams. So my worry is, 
if we take a, if we take the lead against teams like you know let's say South Korea, Bahrain or Jordan, we'll get overconfident. We get excited. Oh my God, we just scored against a team that's higher ranked than us. You know, focus will be affected, and that is something that Coach Pangon has actually said. And I really like some of his quotes when he said that you know I told the players to not you just because you took the lead, don't think that the other team will not come back. They are they are higher ranked than you. You have to respect them. Of you course, know, yeah. if you don't do anything. You're going to be punished. I like how he does his reality check, mm. and that's very important, you know. And uh, our players, when they get excited, they get really, really excited. I think it's a Malaysian thing, I guess. <laughs> But at the same time, I also believe that the presence of you know these naturalized and mixed heritage players has you know calmed them down a little by saying that look, the game is still on. You know, you have characters now that say that that keep on telling these players focus, focus, focus. Bring you know, back down to us. yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Brendan Gunn is one good example. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, Junior Alstal is also vocal on the pitch, and then uh, Dion Kools as well. Kools, you know, yeah. with this tactic, with this tactical knowledge and technique as well. Uh, yeah, it's it's it's. Yeah, that that's the my worry is just focus and concentration. Mm. No worry or focus on Kim Pang Gon's part though, because yeah. you know he has been the man at the tops, uh, the top level of um, football. He was at the uh, 2018 World Cup and the 2022 World Cup as the vice president of well, the South Korean, Korean FA. FA. Uh, he's the man who actually hired Bento <laughs> as well uh, to take uh, the reins of South Korea. Um, how do you think this would? Um, Help the major tournament jitters. Would it trickle down to the squad? It would absolutely. It would because he has tournament experience. You know, I mean, yeah, in an administ- administrative level, he knows what he's doing. So, for example, before when the team qualified for the Asian Cup, he immediately met Hamidin and uh, Dato Hamidin and told, "We need to get this hotel. We need to get this. We need to get that. We need <laughs> to get this." So, you know, you have he knows that he knows yeah, he knows yeah. those details. So, I think in that sense it's an advantage for us and tactically also he knows. I mean, he's he's got that administrative experience and also the tactical experience. So, mm. in that sense, it's very advantageous for us. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Malaysia, since Kim Pangon took over, has been focusing on youth development. Uh, Kim Pangon has opted for you know kind of a mix experienced players over younger talents uh, at this upcoming tournament in Qatar. Um, how what do you think is the reasoning behind this decision? I mean, we alluded to it uh, before, but um, how does this help the Malaysian ecosystem, if you will? Okay, it's short term. You have to agree with the fact that this is going to be short term. The squad that he has selected, the main reason behind it is I want them to get to the round of 16 because it's going to bring a lot of you know optics to the national team. Mm. That is crucial. Mm. You know, in terms of ecosystem, yeah, what we are seeing right now in terms of the performances that we have seen from the national team, it's it's good. You know, it's it's it's. Uh, Yeah, when you watch Malaysian games, you don't fear now. You you realize that you know they will do something special. Mm. Yes, we will moan, we will complain, but something special will happen. But you know, for any football team, national football team to thrive, you need to have an ecosystem that's stable. Mm. Sad to say, our league is not where it is meant to be mm. this time around. Mm. You know, we have clubs plagued with financial problems. You know, we only have one club that's able to, not one club. I think few clubs, Tengganu, Selangor, and uh, Tengganu, Selangor, and JDT, being able to nourish their players well. Whereas the other clubs, they're struggling to even form. They're struggling with finances and all that. So that is a worry. You know, for me, yeah, the national team is doing well, but we want this momentum to continue. So how is that going to continue? Hmm. So. 
in that sense, our league has to back up, you know, and uh, if you follow my tweets, I always complain about our referees. That needs to be changed as well. You know, the, the finer aspects of the game needs to be looked at in order for this whole national team that's doing very well right now to continue. So yeah. if these things are able to be fixed, the top team will maintain their consistency that we see right now. But I also believe that if Malaysia performs well in the Asian Cup, if they get to the quarterfinal, I believe... The league has to buck up. Then. The league will buck up and a lot of corporate companies will say, wow, I think we should invest in our game. Mm. Right now, they have that fear. Mm. You know, mm. so if that happens, I think right now FM will not be telling that to the players. Like, look, we have to do well so that corporate <laughs> companies will come and help our league. But if it happens, you know, for sure the league can tap into that. Yeah, you know that's how I see it also, But for me, it's like you know, yeah, I want our national team to perform well. But for how? I mean, how long is that going to last? You know, because I still want to. I want to see our under twenty three players going up into the first team because we. We have to accept the fact that Brandon Gunn is turning 36 now. Nacho Inza is 37 now. The other players who are in the squad, if they qualify for the next Asian Cup, they'll already be in their late 20s and 30s. So we have to look at contingency plan. We have to see how we can, you know, improve the league, how we can produce more talents. Because we don't want to see another Clanton happening. Of course, yeah. If another Clanton happens, a lot of youngsters are going to be made back there. They not only have to think about football, but they have to think about their rice bowl as well. Mm, mm, so, yeah, these mm. are the, some of the things that we really, really need to look at. Yeah, and success at the Asian Cup will definitely have that kind of positive exactly. uh, knockback effect, right? Um, crystal ball time, Avinesh. Um, how far do you think Malaysia will go? Knockout stage? It is going to be tough because Jordan, Bahrain, South Korea are not easy teams at all. Of course not, yeah. But... I do not know why. I have a feeling that we could eat. Yeah, we could beat either Jordan or Bahrain. Mm. If we beat and one win is enough. You think one win is enough to get to the next round. Mm. So if that happens, I think it's good. Mm. You know, who knows if we play against South Korea? If we go ultra defensive, if we get a nil-nil result, wow. four points. Yeah. So yeah, maybe it can happen. Mm. Never know. I'm not saying it will happen. If it happens, I'll be happy. Of course. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll keep tweeting away, yapping away. You know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Who's going to take the whole thing? Japan. Mm. Mm. I've been watching Japan's performances lately. I don't know what the coach is concocting. Every game that I've watched, they attack well, then suddenly they go quiet. Ten minutes later, they score another goal. It's very efficient the way they play. And the fact that he's able to pick players from Europe and, you know, omit some top players from the squad. Like, I, there was once he omitted Celtic's top player, Kyogo Furahashi, from his squad. Shows how strong the Japanese team is. Mm, mm. So, I think they are the favourites. That was sports journalist T. Avinash. As this week on the programme, we've been previewing the upcoming Asian Cup in Qatar. And with that, we've come to the end of this week's programme. If you'd like to revisit this episode again, you can head over to our website www.bfm.my forward slash bar none. And if you'd like to get in touch with the programme, you can access at BFM Radio. My name is Dara Ong and this has been Bar None, the show that brings you through the ins and outs of the sporting world. Join us again next week only here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.